Hello, hello, welcome back to Rhythm and Range with AJ Artistic. I'm gonna jump right into some motherfucking current events. Let's see, Askren versus Masvidal, this is big ass news. I mean, shit, I've been waiting for fucking Askren to get back in it or to, for some announcement to be made in regards to him and Lawler or whatever. There's some rumors, I guess, about Lawler and Woodley having a potential rematch. Ah, uh, I guess I'll watch that. It's whatever. So I'm not too excited about it. I think Lawler does a lot better next time. But anyways, asking Masvidal, that's going to be a fucking fight. However, if you've seen the video of Masvidal and Colby Covington wrestling, Masvidal couldn't really do anything to Colby. Like, he was just getting out-wrestled by him, frankly. There was even a point where Colby put his hands behind him, and, like, Masvidal still couldn't take him down. Granted, he was already tired by that point, but still, I mean, Jesus Christ. He needs to fucking... I mean, what is Ask? how much better is Askren's wrestling going to be than that? I don't know. I just think he needs to seriously shore up his wrestling. Not saying he has bad takedown defense, but I'm just saying you have to focus on that a little bit uh, while you're leading up. And so that's still a fight I'm looking forward to. I want to see this welterweight division move on. I want to see these fucking parts get moving. You got UFC 239, the main event and co-main event were announced. John Jones and Tiago Santos and Manda Nunes versus Holly Holmes. I mean, fucking shit. That is going to be a motherfucker of a card. John Jones, I mean, how, how many times have we seen John Jones' chin tested? I mean, he's been hit, yes. I personally believe, not believe, you could look at the tape. The first time he ever got hit clean was versus Leota Machida, one of my favorite fighters of all time. And Leota hit him with a straight left, but before that he had hit him with the cleanest strike that John had ever been hit with at the time and even Joe Rogan says if you listen to the commentary he recognized it Joe recognized it in the moment and he said I think that's the hardest John had ever has ever been hit and it was you heard it it was a slap slapping sound it was a clean left body kick to the liver and John ate it well he did and then after that he, Leota was able to hit him with some straights that he timed him perfectly and John did it was not like I mean, he, the older hits hard, obviously, he knocked out Rashad Evans. It's just, John stumbled back under the little barrage, little karate barrage that the Odo threw at him, but I don't know, how many times have we really seen John, I mean, we saw it tested in the first Gustafson fight, but even then, did he really get hit that with shots that were that big? I mean, who has really hit John, like, and really, like, wobbled or, like, rocked him? I can't think of somebody off tops. Um... Yeah, no. Glover, he kind of worked over everybody. All the hard, other hard hitters, he worked over. I was saying, I was saying, Anthony Smith was the hardest hitter he had ever faced. Was gonna be the hardest hitter he ever faced. I don't think Anthony ever really got a chance to unload. Uh, yeah, no, he never fought Rumble. DC, yeah, you could say he hits hard at heavyweight, but who, did he did he knock out anybody at light heavy? No. Doesn't mean he wasn't a good fighter at light heavyweight. However, so yeah, and Santos is just fucking knocking people fucking dead left and right. I mean, that Jimmy Manoa fight was great, and I was already a fan of his before that. But I mean, when, that was a perfect matchup for him, I think, at the time. But so that's what I'm saying as far as the chin. Let's talk about the chin. Manoa is a thicker. He's a little. I, I don't know. He's not. Is he taller? I don't think he's taller. He might be six three, six four. He might be the same exact height as just John Jones. 
But I, he's a little bit got a thicker build on him, thicker neck. I mean, I don't know. John has proven durable. Like I'm not saying John Jones can't take a punch or he's not durable. He's fucking durable. We've all seen that. But when you have a fighter as good as fucking John, you know, you have to look for these little things. So I'm saying Tiago doesn't let anybody fucking point and fight his ass. Like, he just gets after. He goes and, like, you basically have a choice. Like, you need to fucking swing. Like, you're going to have to get out. You're going to have to put your striking into motion on a more frantic level than than John, I think, is used to. He's used to going, fighting at his rhythm. So the only one thing I will say about this fight is that should John decide to just come out and fucking wrestle the shit out of him and just completely just use that Juco wrestling and just take him down immediately, then we got a different fight on our hands. I have a feeling, because we've seen him. I mean, this is a different John. He's a more experienced John. I think a John that just wants, like, not just wants to secure his belt, but will make those decisions. He said it himself, his last fight, that rounds one through three of the Smith fight were for the fans, and rounds four through five was for his team to secure the belt and bring it home. That tells me, yes, he's more experienced now. He probably doesn't want to take as many chances if he doesn't need to and I'm referring to the fact of like he would used to try to prove things you know he used to try to beat guys at their own game he saw him do that with Glover to share with the infighting and not fighting at a distance where you knew he could win he's just chose to fucking slug it out in a phone booth essentially and use his l long limbs which you think would be hard for a taller longer guy but you know he made it work and uh, he did. I feel. I felt he did that exact same thing with Rampage and Rashad Evans, because he could have. He was really long in the in the. He fought really long in that Rampage fight, but he could have been a lot longer with Rashad, and he was real close to him. Kind of did. It was kind of the early workings of what he would later do to Glover. If you go back and watch those fights, you'll see what I mean. So yeah, man, I'm fucking pumped and I'm excited as Dana White is for this fight. As soon as I heard that shit come out of Dana's mouth that he wanted to see Tiago Santos fight John Jones, I was like, holy shit. <laughs> this shit is gonna be fucking dope. I mean, who doesn't get excited for a fucking fight like this? And I mean, when's the last time? I mean, look, I was pumped for the Smith fight. A lot of people weren't. They were writing him off. What? He went the distance with him. John couldn't finish him. And I mean... You know, on the right night, maybe he lands a combo. Maybe he gets inside on John Jones in the right way, and he maybe he drops him. Who knows? But Tiago Santos, I mean, he's a, a little. It's hard to say he's more a little more ferocious than than Lionheart because the motherfucker who was finishing was before John Jones. He was knocking Rashad out with a knee, knocked another guy out with huge overhand, I believe, or just hooks. He's a strong hitter, and he's a finisher. He leaves it all in there, and he fucking puts guys away. Oh, shit, that's going to be dope. As far as Amanda Nunes, Holly Holm, that's going to be great. I mean, Amanda Nunes fucking surprised the shit out of me when that when she knocked out Cyborg. I mean, Jesus Christ. I literally was so hyped, I jumped over the fucking coffee table. I was like, oh, fuck. Like, I feel like I didn't even touch the coffee table. That's like how I was just floated over it. And uh, so who, if you're in the women's divisions, like, how are you not scared of Amanda Nunes? I mean, Cyborg was the fucking... The Terminator, you know, the Undertaker, the fucking, you know, you she comes in, you hear just bells ring, boom, boom. She's just fucking scary like that. And what did Nunes do? She came out and just fucking put it to her, pressured, and just 
beat the fuck out of her and just literally put her out overwhelmed her with pressure cyborg i think got hit and over tried to uh fight fire with i think she got emotional like in some way like she got tagged and said nah i tag people i tag the girls they don't tag me and then amanda knew just put her away because she has that long arms and she'll drive those shits through you so i mean holly Holm, obviously one of the best nights in mma history when she knocked out ronda if she could do that to her i'm a i like i've been a holly Holm fan ever since that night i mean i don't know how you can be I think, you know, when she fought Cyborg, she was probably circling a little much. She probably should have gotten in her face more like Amanda. I mean, it's easy to say that now. Amanda kind of laid the blueprint. But even then, you could kind of see, like, Hollywood takes... When you stay on the outside and just try to not run, but you're circling, you're kind of just taking damage. You're not giving Cyborg much damage. So, it'll be interesting to see if she can set Amanda up for that head kick. I'd love to see that. But either way, even if Amanda comes back and gets that knockout, I'd love to see that as well. Alright, moving on to, I know this is a little late, I just want to touch on this a little bit. Connor retirement and his battle, his equity battle with Dana. People are saying, oh yeah, Dana called his bluff. You knew he fucking would, you knew he wasn't going to fucking, I mean. Had Connor said this right after the Mayweather fight, maybe. Right right after the Eddie Alvarez win, maybe. But even then, I think it's a stretch. I mean, I can't see Dana or the UFC, even if there was no Dana giving a fighter. I think Dana would be the one, to, if anyone, to give a fighter equity. I don't think the other owners care as much, or not care as much, but I don't think they give a fuck to, like, they'll just be, like, business minded. They'll just be, like, cold calculations. No, fuck you. So, anyways, I mean, the whole retirement thing, con uh, Cowboy Cerrone saying it's a ploy to stay relevant, other people saying it's a negotiation tactic, I didn't want to touch on this right away, I kind of want to let the situation play out more, that's why I haven't hit you with an episode in a couple of days, but, I mean, fuck, I really fucking hope he didn't. he's not serious with this shit. Yeah, you can go off and ride off in the sunset. We get it. But it's a lot of people that just have been saying this for uh, close to a year and a half now. Anyways, oh, Connor made enough money. Connor made enough money. It's not about that fucking money. As much as it is about the money, it's really not for him. And I, it's hard for somebody to understand that. That's not kind of built the same way in a sense. Like, I can understand how Connor thinks. I know what he's thinking. I mean, not no, I don't know what he's thinking all the time, but I get what he says when he when he talks about passion and when he talks about fighting because he loves it he doesn't have to do this shit and he said that in his damn self many fucking times not this isn't fucking breaking news so i believe his ass when he says that shit because he could have been he didn't have to fight khabib he didn't have to do that shit he didn't even have to fight floyd really he didn't have to do any of that i mean if he really wanted i guess he could have retired after the fucking nate diaz fights um, or I, I forget which one came first, the Eddie Alvarez or Nate Diaz won. I'm pretty sure he fought Nate once, twice, and then fought Eddie. But I forget, I, I need to go back and check. Anyways, he didn't have to do any of this shit. But what did he do? He came back. He came back because he loves to fucking get down. 
<laughs> this is, that's how he is, and you can tell that's how he is. And I think Connor's real fans, I believe they fucking know that shit, and that's why they'll ride with his ass to the end. All the sexual allegation shit, I really fucking hope. I mean, I don't give a fuck. No matter what, I mean, no matter what, I guess yeah, it's wrong. But no matter what, I'm gonna be a Connor fan to to forever. I'm hoping he's not our modern day Mike Tyson. I love Mike. Read his books. Love everything he does. Watch his podcast, Hot Boxing with Mike Tyson. I mean, I just hope this is not our generation's Mike Tyson. I hope he doesn't fuck up. I hope he stays on the on the relatively straight and narrow. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, all right, I'm gonna jump into the sports psych insights for the day. This is from. Golf is not a game of perfect by Dr. Bob Rotel. This is one of the best sports psychology books in the world. I fucking love this book. I come back to it almost every other day and fucking reread and take notes and all kinds of shit. So, all right, number one, he says, a golfer whose attitude allows him to tap a higher percentage of modest talent can and will beat the one who doesn't know how to maximize what he has. I mean, this is so fucking true. Ask any coach, they'll fucking agree, probably. Guys who are in the gym working, grinding, you know, you're going to get those reps and you're going to build that muscle memory and it's not going to matter how gifted the, not, the guy next to you is. So, yeah, I just love this fucking quote. This is a great insight, great sports psychology insight. I mean, it just goes to show that, like, the playing field can be leveled. It does not matter. As long as you show up every day, you put that work in. And I myself had to teach myself this because I, I wasn't always the best at this. I had to fucking, you know, because, I, I don't know. A lot of people, it's different for everybody, but I mean, you know, you, it's a fucking grinded sport, especially in Muay Thai kickboxing, you know. You're getting fucked up, you're getting beat up. I mean, even for the good guys, I mean, what's the, what's the quote? Fighters get hit, good fighters get hit less. <laughs> Anyways, then this one I really love. Greg, the, the author, is saying, Greg Maddox of the Atlanta Braves tells me he pitches best when he virtually forgets about the batter and thinks only of the place he intends his pitch to go, the target. This is so fucking keen, especially if you want to translate this over to fighting, sparring, kickboxing, any jiu-jitsu too. So what Maddox is saying effectively is he pitches best when he virtually forgets about the batter and thinks only of his task. So... Yeah, I've experienced this in sparring before. Like, you're so locked in. You're so tuned in in the moment. And so on your task, the mission. You really just... You don't want to... I mean, obviously, you're going to be aware and you're going to be reacting and analyzing what your opponent is doing. However, you don't want to get overly concerned with that and start bogging down your mind in this mental fucking... It's like attaching weights, like anchors, to your fucking mind. Little anchors, and they're just fucking pulling you down and fucking... And when you take those anchors off and when you free those chains, you fucking are free and you're light. You have a lightness, a mental lightness. And I know it's, I'm, I'm fucking going to the esoteric here, but just bear with me. <laughs> but he's on to something here. And you could see this too. That's why I think Bruce Lee kind of taps into the same idea when he says, there is no target, there is no me, there is nothingness. And Musashi talks about no, nothing, the art of nothingness too. There is no you, there is no opponent. It's just the task. When your mind is just free and it's just on this focus on the the mind when it's focused on a singular task can accomplish some fucking amazing things, and that I think is when we get our most 
white hot concentration flow state zone. So yes, he pitches best when he virtually forgets about the batter and thinks only of the place he intends his pitch to go to target. So forget about your opponent and think only of the place you intend your strike to go to target. Be that wherever it may be. A little side tip. I read somewhere else that I supposedly our brain functions best when we f we tell our when we're when we're in a situation and we it's we're just supposed to focus on the smallest possible target, especially in things like not like darts or anything. Obviously, that's a whole other thing I haven't studied. I'm sure the aiming system might be different or might be relatively the same. You find a lot of overlap in skill and sport. Anyways, especially in things like all right, kickboxing for example. And say I could speak on this aim at the smallest possible target because that'll just hone your shit just hone it hone it hone it just because you're just getting closer and closer and closer and with a lot of reps a lot of thousands and thousands and thousands of fucking reps don't get me wrong this shit does not happen over fucking night it takes fucking years literally for the best of us it'll take about three years i think the best i think it can even be uh expedited beyond that but whatever it just depends on dedication i guess um so yeah that wraps up episode six. I'll be coming back in a couple of days, I'm sure. These fucking events are going to play out. We're going to see how this welterweight divi division ends up fucking turning out. I mean, we already know that Kobe and Usman will be facing each other. Uh, the date, I think, is still up in the air due to Usman's recent surgery. He's still recovering. He said he needed about two months. So... And then the lightweight division, you still got that shit. I'm going to come out probably in the next episode and take a look at that Dustin Poirier and Max Holloway fight. Fuck, who doesn't love that shit coming in? That is great. I'm so happy to see Dustin finally getting his title shot. So, yeah, all right. Sorry, I'm fucking ranting. <laughs> all right, peace out.